IBA Talk, the Insurance Business America podcast. This episode is presented in partnership with CoreLogic. Natural catastrophe challenges the insurance marketplace, costly losses and damaging effects. In this episode, we're joined by Curtis McDonald, Senior Professional of Product Management with CoreLogic, to discuss how insurers can leverage forensic technology, better respond to disaster, and to be better prepared for future events. Hello, and welcome to IBA Talk, the Insurance Business America podcast. I'm Bethan Moorcraft, Senior Editor at Insurance Business, and today it's my pleasure to welcome Curtis McDonald, Senior Professional of Product Management with CoreLogic, a provider of data analytics and platforms for insurance organizations, real estate professionals, other financial institutions, and government entities. Curtis is responsible for the Weather Verification Services product line at CoreLogic, He has deep expertise in weather phenomena and holds a Bachelor of Science in Meteorology. In this episode, Curtis and I will discuss how insurers can use forensic technology to improve their response to disaster events and better prepare for future catastrophes. It's very topical, given the extreme weather events the United States has dealt with over the past few years. So that said, Curtis, welcome to IBA Talk. We're very excited to have you on board today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited to talk about uh, weather and, and weather phenomena. So, so Curtis, let's start with an important question for this topic. Um, what actually is forensic technology? Yeah, I think that's a, a really great question and a great one to start off with for sure. Um, so when you think about the word forensic, uh, most people I think are, are, are drawn to forensic crime. Um, so it's really just applying uh, application of scientific methods or techniques um, to the investigation of something. Um, so like I said, most people are familiar with crime, but we can also do that with weather. Um, so being able to apply um, different uh, data techniques, different data processing techniques, leveraging data sources that are available to us um, to uh, understand what happened after a weather event, specifically a catastrophe has taken place. Um, just an example of this would be, um, let's say a tornado has occurred. Um, it occurred in the, the middle of the night. Um, being able to leverage the, the weather radar data, being able to leverage uh, other information from the ground, uh, damage reports, and so forth, and being able to map out uh, where we believe this tornado just occurred. Um, and we can do this for, for hail, and we can do this for wind, and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, other uh, forensic things that we can do uh, from a peril perspective, uh, I'm sure, during the course of the podcast. But really, it's just understanding um, after a weather event as quickly as you can, um, the severity and the magnitude of, of the, the event. Mm-hmm. So, so how advanced is uh, weather forensic technology at the moment? I mean, is it sort of widely used or is this fairly new? Yeah, that's a, a great question too. It's, it's um, uh, with all technology, I think it's evolving. It's continuing to evolve. Um, if you look at just the space of meteorology or weather forecasting and, and just look at, you know, the, the accomplishments or the advancements that we have made in that space over the last decade, um, you know, it, it's, it's pretty remarkable. And that's also happening on the forensic side. Um, I think what's, what's different is the, um, you know, what the difference between a forecast um, what is about to happen, you know, understanding this is a forecast, I'm predicting this is about to take place versus a forensic analysis of saying this actually did take place. 
Um, so I think there's, you know, most people today in, in the uh, in the United States or in the industry, they're, they're really familiar with forecasting data um, just because you really need that to, to get through your day. One of the first things most people do when they wake up is, you know, what is the weather going to be like today? So that's the forecast. Uh, so they're more familiar with that weather forecasting data set versus this forensic analysis data set. But we are starting to see a lot more adoption into this uh, these data sets, specifically in the insurance industry. Um, as, as these catastrophes continue to impact, um, you know, many areas of the country and, and uh, large amounts of population. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, forensic analysis, why is that so important in the context of natural disasters, natural catastrophes today? Yeah, it's, um, you know, the one thing I think that's, that's pretty clear is that, you know, we're not going to see these disasters or these catastrophes going away. Um, so it's something that we're going to have to adapt to um, and learn how to uh, better prepare for them and ultimately better respond uh, to these. Um, and that's really um, driven by uh, multiple different things. You know, as, as you look at the, you know, the, the environmental changes, the climate changes, um, as well as just growing populations, growing footprints, uh, essentially the bullseye of these um, uh, population that could be impacted is getting larger, uh, as well as, you know, more and more people are developing along the coast, for example. So when we, st- when we do get in and start talking about hurricanes, um, how does that also play into uh, into this? Um, so I think the um, the quality and timeliness of the technology is, is really critical. Um, so being able to have, um, you know, really good data coming into your uh, operations or coming into your uh, business to understand your uh, potential exposure uh, is, is really, really uh, important. And I think the timeliness of that is, is, is also just equally important. Um, you don't want to be waiting around hours or days or even weeks to get you know, more information on a specific event. Um, if you're an insurance carrier, you know, you have your, your customers who are just impacted by, by a weather event. Um, you really need to understand um, as quick as you can, you know, with, with some level of accuracy, how many of my customers were likely just impacted from this event, whether it's a tornado, um, whether it was a hailstorm or a hurricane, you know, is that 100 of my customers or is this 1,000 or maybe 10,000? Um, because your response to that is going to be quite different. Um, so really um, leveraging this data to uh, understand your exposure post-event, you know, taking that forensic analysis, that forensic data, um, and then running it against a portfolio of assets on so the insurance space. This will be your policies in force. Um, and again, really understanding um, the response. You know, how many, how many of my, my customers were actually in, indeed in, impacted? And there's things that we can do from that, um, you know, this ultimately drives um, the response logistics. So if you're an insurance carrier, um, you know, your response is going to be much different if you have 100 customers impacted versus 10,000. So from an adjuster deployment perspective, I need to get field adjusters or I need to call up and reserve independent adjusters um, to go out and uh, assess these claims or these likely claims that I'm going to be getting in because of the size of the magnitude of that event. And that's how you can really start to leverage some of this forensic data. Mm-hmm. So if you don't mind, Curtis, I'd like to build on that idea of sort of disaster response. Um, you know, how can the use of forensic technology help to expedite things? And what other benefits can it provide to, you know, insurers in the midst of, you know, a huge catastrophe event? 
Yeah, I think that's uh, another great question. It's, and I think there's actually things that we can do certainly before um, the event unfolds and, and actually where you get to the leverage of the forensic technology. The first thing is, um, you know, leveraging the forecasting data. So, and again, the, the kind of the call out to the differences is, you know, the one is a, again, a forecast, one is a more of a forensic analysis of capturing what did happen. Um, so before an event takes place, taking those latest forecasts, um, you can, um, you know, understand, uh, you know, based on the, the landfall location or this uh, forecast strength of this storm, let's say a hurricane, you know, this is what my current exposure looks like. Uh, but what happens if that storm, you know, is 100 miles or 50 miles further west um, on the coast of Florida? Or um, what if that uh, hurricane strengthens from a forecasted landfall at a Category 2, but it actually is a Category 4 at landfall? What does that look like to my business? Um, so running those types of simulations, understanding those types of, of impacts uh, would, would certainly be helpful prior to an event unfolding. Uh, and then, and then once the event does take place, leveraging the forensic technology, and there's things that we've done with with our current customers, our clients that we support in the insurance industry, is actually um, before an event takes place, is actually utilizing historical forensic data. So let's say go back and look at some of the hurricanes that have impacted um, the coast the last several years, or maybe a hailstorm that's uh, impacted parts of the plains. And understanding um, the claim, uh, the, the policy uh, hit ratio. So whenever we leverage the forensic data, uh, for example, and um, you know that we we show that we have a hundred policies that were impacted by hail and the hail sizes, how many of those folks actually suffered damage and filed a claim? And we can do that for 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 wildfires, and we can do that for hurricanes. Um, so running and having some level of these uh, understanding of how these past storms. Uh, certainly help in in a real time uh, situation or when an event is unfolding because then you can take that information and run some simple analytics and understand um, your your really your exposure and once you understand uh, have a better understanding of the the exposure um, the, the the number of claims more particularly that's going to be uh, very helpful for the carrier again to understand the response uh, is also from a financial impacts uh, understanding what those could look like from a loss uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. In terms of um, catastrophic response, I mean, speed is everything. Customer experience is everything today. People want, you know, that hands-on sort of fast, quick service from their insurance carrier. So, you know, building on everything you've just explained about sort of weather forensics, how can insurers use this technology to improve their customer experience, you know, before, during and after these NatCat events? Yeah, I think that's a really hot topic right now, especially in the this, this day and age of technology and, and digital technologies. Um, one of those things that that we can do with uh, the forensic technology um, that to improve the customer experience, I think, is is being able to um, let them know that they are heard or that they're known that they have been impacted by, even before they would uh, you as an insurance policyholder, a customer would reach out to your insurance carrier. Um, so you can imagine if uh, you know I have an insurance policy and my home was just impacted by a tornado and I lost part of my roof, um, you know, and I get a text message or a phone call from my insurance carrier just checking in on me, um, letting me know, you know, we're aware that there was an event either at your property or very near to your property, um, and we wanted to know, you know, if you wanted to go ahead and start a claim. Here's the information on filing a claim. 
I think that type of experience, that type level of service uh, goes would go a long way. Um, and we're starting to see, um, see that now uh, kind of move in the insurance space, as well as just uh, using weather data in general as a way to touch um, the policyholders. Um, so that's something that we see a lot uh, today in age is, you know, this, again, the digital aspect of how insurance is being uh, transformed, um, being able to uh, have, I guess, a, a way or reason to go out and proactively touch policyholders outside of just a, uh, a claim or policy renewal period. Um, and you can leverage some of the weather data, specifically the forensic data, um, to do that, to build that, uh, that brand, to build that, that loyalty, to build that uh, first-in-class customer experience. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Um, so, you know, in the past few years, I think it's fair to say the frequency and severity of natural disasters in the United States has, have increased. Um, in terms of forensic technology, would you say that it works particularly well for certain weather perils? You've, you've mentioned, you know, hurricanes, hail, wildfire. Is it sort of best suited for any of these particular perils? Yeah, I think um, I, I think there are uh, certainly some perils that that, that work better. For example, um, you know, being able to map out uh, a weather event is, is one thing, but then being able to apply those analytics to it and understand, um, you know, the number of claims, the number of impacts, or the top, the total dollar loss that I just suffered as an insurance carrier. And when you start kind of layering in some of those components as well. Um, Hail jumps out as, as one of the, the, the more um, predictive perils that we see for claims. And I think that goes to, you know, there's just a lot more uh, information out there on hail storms in terms of um, uh, social media posts or reports that we get in general. Um, you know, there's most people will go out and, you know, pick up a hailstone and, and they'll take a picture of it and, and they'll post it. Um, so having that level of information is very critical um, in addition to the weather radar data uh, to be able to map out like a, a hail a hail path or to understand where the hail just took place. Now perils like tornadoes, um, you know, there's there's uh, the size of these events um, can be very uh, both very short lived, so they can only be impacting the ground for a short period of time, um, as well as you know they're relatively narrow in scope uh, versus like a hailstorm might might you know lay down hail for tens, tens of miles and maybe, you know, two to three to four miles wide. Um, whereas a tornado, you're, you're mo more likely on, you know, on average, just a couple miles on the ground. And then the, the, the width of that tornado is, is on the, uh, you know, 50 to hundred yards. Um, so being able to capture and map out that, um, uh, is, is, is more difficult. Um, but I certainly think that, you know, as technology continues to advance, we get access to, uh, more and more, um, data sources like higher resolution satellite imagery um, as we continue to uh, leverage the, the weather radar networks across the U.S. and make advancements there. Um, there's things that we'll be able to, to do in, in outside of just the hail, wind, and tornado. Like I mentioned, that CoreLogic is working on a forensic flood product as well, um, being able to map out flood depths. So I think it's, there's a... Um, uh, interesting to see how this like, kind of all plays out in the forensic science space over the next uh, several years as we continue to um, kind of advance and make use of these new technologies. But I would say right now, um, you know, hail is, is certainly the, the peril that CoreLogic started. We saw the, the most need for it, um, and that's been the, the most, uh, I guess, the widely used uh, product uh, within CoreLogic today is the hail one. Mm -hmm. 
And and how advanced is it in terms of hurricanes? Because, you know, in, in the past decade, we've had some major storms in the United States. Um, you know, what have you seen sort of it, it progress in terms of that and wind and, and storm surge and that sort of peril? Yeah, so um, from a hurricane perspective, you can think of a size of a hurricane versus the size of a tornado. Hurricanes much larger. Um, so being able to map out the... Um, the wind field, the wind path, um, is is actually a little bit you know easier than than tornado, um, and we do that by um, aggregating uh, in addition to the weather radar data, um, those ground observations, wind sensors that are actually physically measuring the wind speeds, as well as we look at a whole bunch of damage information. Um, kind of the difference between like a hurricane, which is typically a loss is suffered from either uh, storm surge, water, or by wind. Um, you know, you can't physically see the wind, um, whereas like on a hail, you can physically pick up a hailstone, you can measure it. Um, so we have to rely on other data components when we uh, start looking at uh, data sources for our core forensic algorithms uh, for hurricanes. But uh, we have uh, seen advancements there as well, uh, being able to, um, you know, once that storm makes landfall, uh, being able to uh, estimate the maximum wind speeds that occurred at ground level um, from, you know, from the, the, the coast all the way inland as that storm progresses. Mm-hmm. And Curtis, building on your sort of meteorological background um, and your use of this forensic technology, what has the past decade taught us about hurricanes in North America and sort of the North Atlantic hurricane season? Yeah, I think that's uh, another great question. I think we can take this um, many different ways. But the one thing that really jumps out to me and comes to mind first, um, I would say, is is just we really can't become complacent um, about the uh, relative inactivity that we see at times in the tropics. Um, uh, we, we went through periods, multiple years, where we really didn't have a lot of activity. Um, and really, I think this time should be um, used for preparing and, and understanding what the risk is associated with hurricanes, as well as preparing for that next uh, that next big storm. Um, you know, if you look at you know what we saw in, in 2017, 2018, 2019, um, and starting to pick up now already in, in, in 2020 um, and 2021, um, you know the number of, of storms, number of hurricanes um, has, has been pretty remarkable. But if you look at the years prior to that, um, it was relatively quiet. Um, and I think that another thing that kind of jumps out to thinking through this a little bit uh, the past decade. Um, I would say that um, forecasting hurricanes uh, has also improved pretty dramatically, believe it or not. <laughs> it's still very challenging to, to forecast hurricanes, both uh, their landfall location as well as their intensity. Um, but the advances that we're seeing in, in technology with uh, the GO satellite upgrades and, and different models that we use, numerical weather prediction models, uh, certainly have improved the reason why we're seeing improvements in these forecasts, specifically in the landfall location. Um, and then the, the one that still needs to, a lot of work, in, in my opinion, that needs to be done is understanding the, the intensity forecast and understanding um, the nuances that we have with uh, forecasting the strengths of hurricanes. Um, but one thing, yeah, really to point out is that the, the landfall locations um, have got significantly better in the last 10 years. And I think that's really important uh, for those that might be in the path of a hurricane that, you know, they don't use their, their, their past experiences, you know, um, to understand, oh, you know, the last time, for example, the, the hurricane uh, was supposed to hit us and it, it, 
you know, made landfall 150 miles away. Um, you know, some of those thoughts, um, I think ha can have impacts to, um, uh, to, you know, the human, human side of things and, and their, um, uh, uh, safety, if you will, around these storms. So those are just two things that kind of jump out to me. Um, it's not becoming complacent using this time of uh, when we do have periods of, of lull and activity, using it to really uh, understand what your risk is, you know, risk management uh, from an insurance perspective. Uh, and then also understand that, you know, the, the forecasting of these hurricanes uh, continues to advance and continues to improve. Mm -hmm. It sounds like there's lots of um, sort of interesting developments with this technology, and I'm sure a lot of progress will be made over the next few years. Um, Curtis, just to conclude, you know, for, for insurers that perhaps haven't yet engaged with forensic technology, forensic weather technology, you know, why would you encourage them to, to take that step? Why is this important now for, uh, for insurers as we enter, you know, this next decade? Yeah, I think it really, it, it's, it starts with the demand of the, the, the insurers, you know, that the, the day and age that we're in with, uh, again, the, the digital aspects and, and the speed and, and so forth around settling claims in particular, um, you know, carriers, the insurance carriers that maybe are not making use of, of quality forensic data uh, is, a, is, in my opinion, is a miss because um, there's so much that you can do with that uh, specifically, again, around not only the customer experience side of things, but internally around uh, mitigating those losses and controlling losses. Um, and that can be done just simply by uh, identifying uh, impacted policyholders post-event and being able to uh, reach them uh, first before, uh, let's say, a roofing contractor or somebody uh, else shows up uh, to that policyholder. Um, so there's there's certainly things that um, you know over the over the years that um, you know we've we've worked with the carriers and helped them understand things better. And um, I think that uh, one of the the other big things too is is making use of this forensic data um, and understanding uh, really what you're using. Uh, there's so much data out there, um, and especially in the weather space. You know we're we're so fortunate to be in the United States that and have so much readily available data to us. But if you look at the weather data that's available to us from the federal government, um, it's almost exclusively on the forecasting side because that's what their their mission is, is to protect life and property of U.S. citizens. Um, so that's why I brought up a little bit early on the differences in, uh, between forecast and forensic is because um, we certainly do see uh, some carriers, insurance carriers in particular, that are using, uh, let's say, maybe publicly available or freely available data um, in really in the wrong way. So they're using forecasting technologies or forecasting algorithms um, uh, in a forensic setting or trying to use it in a forensic environment. And when you do that, um, it ultimately doesn't work out well um, because they're designed differently. Yeah, that's interesting. Thank you, Curtis. Um, this is such an interesting topic and one that I'm sure will grow in prevalence as frequency and severity of natural disasters continues to increase. Um, Curtis, thank you again for sharing your insights on this topic. Uh, it's been great to have you on IBA Talk. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Brilliant. And thanks also to our listeners for tuning in. I'm Bethan Moorcraft, Senior Editor at Insurance Business. Remember to keep an eye out for our upcoming podcasts, webinars and IBTV episodes. We've got lots of great content coming your way. Thank you for listening to this episode of IBA Talk. For more from Curtis and the experts at CoreLogic, visit them at corelogic.com. That's corelogic.com for more. Thank you for listening to IB Talk. 
For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. 